Welcome back everybody to Wavelengths. We have another very special guest. And if you are from the tri-state area like I am, this man's face and voice you will know. He is Bill Pito of the MSG Network. You have seen him talk about the Knicks, talk about the Rangers, the MSG 150. First off, thank you for this, sir. How are you doing today? I'm really uh, good, Steve. It's great to be with you. Thanks for having me on. Not a problem. So obviously, I've said on here a bunch of times. Okay, so I thought the Knicks in four, looking back at it, Atlanta is a really good basketball team. So I maybe shouldn't have said that. But now that the season's done, unfortunately, for the Knicks, it, it was ultimately a success, right? Oh, no question. I did. No one in the world, much less the country, saw 41 and 31 with a fourth overall finish in the East with Julius Randle becoming an elite player, with R.J. Barrett taking the steps that he took. No one saw it coming. I think it's a great founda- foundational year for this team and this franchise. And Tom Thibodeau really showed that uh, if there was any doubt, and I don't know that there was any doubt, he is an elite coach. I'm glad you brought up R.J. because that actually brings up something that I've gone back and forth on the entire year. You said R.J. took a lot of necessary steps. Is he where you think he will be, or does he still have another couple steps to go to get to where we want him to be? He made an incredible improvement with his shooting from outside. Uh, Huge strides, 32% up to about 38%. Uh, His free throw shooting was vastly improved. You know, people, I think, take for granted the fact that he always fills up a box score with assists and rebounds. He's so mature. He's always able to bounce back after a lackluster performance. And the reason why I'm so optimistic is because this is a guy that really devotes himself to his craft. He works out, works at his game nonstop. And that's why I think he can take the next step. The one thing I would like to see him do is at times he forces it when he goes to the basket. At times he leaves his feet when he shouldn't and gets into a situation where he makes bad passes. So I think if he can correct those type of things, that will allow him to even improve further. With Julius Randle, one most improved player, one over, I would say, basically every Knicks fan after last season's lackluster performance, we'll call it. Was these five games against Atlanta a sign of what's to come, or is that just first time in the playoffs, you know, this is the guy? Was it something like that? I think Atlanta's a really good team. Uh, As you watch them when we're taping this, it's after game one against Philly. I know Philly had a mad dash at the end to make it close, but Atlanta's a really good team. They did a great job of sloughing off, let's say, Capella off of Gibson and Noel to double Randall, and that caused all kinds of problems. When you look at the entire team, they didn't hit the threes that they did all year long. Randall was missing makeable shots. During the regular season, they finished fourth best in the league in three-point shooting. It was such an important part of the game. And for whatever reason, it's not just Randall. No one could hit a shot from the outside. So I think it has to do with playoff inexperience. And a lot of it has to do also with the fact that Atlanta played really good defense. I don't think this is something that's going to carry over at all. For the upcoming 2021-2022 season, A lot of people said this playoffs exposed some obvious holes that the Knicks have. What would you like them to do the most? Without question, without much thought, they need a starting uh, point guard. They need a starting point guard that can distribute the ball. 
Rose seems at this point to be ideally suited coming off the bench, quickly looks for his shot first. Alfred Payton obviously is at a point where the coach doesn't want to play him at all. They need a starting point guard above and beyond and above all, and they need it yesterday. Derek Rose, too. I jokingly said, I hope the Knicks re-sign him to a max deal. That's obviously kind of bad for business, but do you want him back on this team next year? Absolutely. They have a lot of decisions to make. You know, people don't talk about the fact that they got Reggie Bullock for four million and Nerland's Owell at five million and Alec Burks at six million and Derek Rose with an expiring deal. I think he makes eight million. It's incredible that those four players for their price combined. They're going to have to pay some of these guys a lot more to stay. Uh, they don't have bird rights on Noel or Burks. That means that they can't go over the cap to retain them. I don't know. I, I'd give uh, Derek Rose maybe uh, 20 million over two years. Derek Rose, you could see when he came, when they made the trade on Super Bowl Sunday, this brought a presence that this team needed. Very similar to Taj Gibson, who didn't fill up the stat sheet. But when he was out there, you knew that Taz Gibson was on the court for the Knicks. So the two of them and having that connection with Thibs, I really, really liked, and I really want them to bring him back. I agree. Gibson was great. Uh, people don't talk about it, and we really didn't talk about it maybe as much as we should. Mitch Robinson missed most of the year with the, the hand injury and then a the foot injury. So even with Gibson playing and making the contribution that he made, I don't know that he would fit in next year other than being a bench player. But the point is that his presence is so important behind the scenes. And the same with Derek Rose, because they're so familiar with a coach that can carry his message to the players. So I think you can get uh, Gibson back for probably basically nothing. I don't know what they're going to do if they think that Mitch is going to be okay to go forward and Noel. I don't know if they can keep all three guys. It'll be very interesting to see. But I think Rose will definitely come back. They need Rose off the bench. He's ideally suited, as we talked about, to be a spark off the bench. With Mitch, there was the probable for him in game two. Was that kind of just to get Atlanta scared a little bit, or was that he actually could have played this series? I don't think that was a correct uh, report. I, I don't think he was ready to go, because if that were the case, then you would have heard more lead up for three games, three, four, and five. I, I don't, the Knicks never said anything about that. I don't know where that came from. I don't think uh, he was ready to go. So now with this new regime, it's very similar to the New York Jets. In one offseason, they clean house and bring in people that everybody wants. And the fans are like, oh, wow, we like trust this team. This is the direction that the Knicks are going, right? We feel like they're making smart basketball choices. And the fans, it seems like for once, they're not constantly shaking their head. They're buying in and going, okay, we can get behind this. And we know that this year shouldn't have gone as well as it did. So the fans... And I would say more so the front office, it seems like they're going in the correct direction, right? I totally agree with that. They're getting great character players. I mentioned Burks. Who thought Burks was going to have the impact he had? Who thought Noel was going to have the impact he had? Who thought Emmanuel quickly at uh, down in the twenties of the first round was going to have the impact he had? Who thought that Reggie Bullock under this coach was going to be so effective Now, not great against Atlanta, but overall really effective as a, a three and D wing. I didn't think any of this was going to happen. Who thought that the acquisitions of Taj Gibson and Derek Rose were going to be so important. You got to give the front office, the coaching staff, the whole organization credit for all of these acquisitions. And don't forget 
Obi Toppin got a lot better as the season wore on. Um, that's a very good point because Obi Toppin did struggle a lot in the shortened season, but in the playoffs, he played very meaningful basketball, which I think we said that the Julius Randle underperforming, not to be worried about. I think the Obi Toppin playing well in the playoffs is something that we will see. He did take a, a little step, and I think that he's going to build on that in the next season and obviously being more comfortable and getting a full NBA summer under his belt. You know, the fact is Randle was so good and led the league in minutes that that curtailed Toppin's playing time and thus his development. I think the organization drafted Toppin with the thought that maybe he would replace Randall and then Randall becomes this elite player. So I think they had to rethink uh, this dynamic. The question going forward is, can you get Toppin enough playing time? And would they consider playing Randall and Toppin more together, which Tibbs never did. He always wanted Gibson or Noel or Mitch in there to protect the rim as opposed to playing Randall at the five. I think that would be a very interesting small ball lineup going forward if you put OBF four and Randall at five because and then it just opens up the floor because if Mitch is healthy you know that he's no threat from two feet outside of the paint so if they can widen the floor even the littlest bit and get it in spurts I think that brings an aspect that this team didn't have really at all this year see if you think back to the Hawks series if you could have had a five to score then Capella would have had to be more honest on D and not sloughed off the double Randall so as good as Gibson and Noel are on the defensive end and Mitch, they're obviously not the threats uh, on offense that you might want. Although if Robinson were healthy, I think he would have done a better fit, been a better fit against Capella, and you would have had more ability to pick and roll on offense that could have helped things. I could talk about the Knicks with you forever, but that's not doing everybody. Keep going. Justice. Keep if you want. Keep, fine, keep whatever you, whatever you got. I've, we could go for hours and hours, but there's a lot to cover with you specifically, Cornell grad. You've gone a bunch of different places, a lot of stops on the way. When did you know that sports casting was going to be your future? Well, uh, I always wanted to pursue it. When I was at Cornell, I got on the radio. I got a lot of experience. I was very lucky that when I was in Ithaca, the city of Ithaca started a local news uh uh, broadcast that I was a sportscaster on, believe it or not, with Carl Ravitch. We were the first two sportscasters on uh, Ithaca Cable News uh, back in the summer of 1986. Uh, and then I uh, worked there during my senior year. So I had a, a TV tape to send out when I graduated. And I got my first job uh, in Binghamton, New York, shortly after I graduated in the spring of 1987. From there, I went to Syracuse. Uh, from there, I went to Boston. Uh, in 93, I auditioned uh, for a spot on SportsCenter in February of 93. And believe it or not, Ravitch got the job. <laughs> we lived together in Binghamton and uh, worked together. He was the one that got hired. And then I got hired on ESPN2 uh, in August of 93 for the launch of ESPN2. Um, I was there. Uh, until 2008 and have been at MSG since 2009. So long story short, I bounced around a little bit. Uh, I always wanted to do this. I put a lot of my, uh, a lot of my guts into the pursuit of this. And thankfully uh, it's worked out to this point. Uh, the, the time at MSG has just been phenomenal. I'm a native New Yorker. Uh, my first recollection of being a sports fan was watching the Nick teams in the early 1970s. 
to be able to go to work and see Clyde Frazier, uh, to work with Mike Breen, Sam Rosen, uh, you know, MSG. Uh, we are the network of Hall of Famers, and it's just an honor to be in the presence of these other great announcers. If you had to tell a young kid in high school they want to pursue sports casting, if they ever get down about, you know, they make a bad call during a game or something, what do you tell them to bounce back from that and get better from it? Well, it, this is a, a craft that takes repetition. And anybody out there who is young and aspiring to do this, I would uh, advise them to get on the air as soon as possible, as often as possible. When they go to college, make sure they get the rep so that when they come out of college, they have a resume or a tape to mail out uh, for a potential opportunity. I started in Binghamton, New York. Uh, that's a small market. And the beauty of that uh, is that if you make some mistakes, uh, you can get away with those mistakes and mistakes that may not be tolerated at a higher level. So then I'll tell you a, a short story here. Uh, there was, uh, Dan Rather was a CBS uh, anchor at the time, Evening News. And if there was a CBS bulletin, our station's policy was that they would take Dan Rather live even in the middle of our newscast. So in the middle of my sportscast one night, Steve, Dan Rather interrupted because he had a bulletin and they came back to me and I said, before I was so rudely interrupted by Dan Rather, <laughs> not a good thing to say when what he had to talk about was a lot more important than what I had to talk about. Needless to say, if I had done that in a bigger market, I probably would have lost my job. Speaking of bigger markets, you are one of the best MSG has to offer, and you spoke about your previous experience with ESPN. Talking about teams, is it different on a national network as opposed to a local marketed network? Well, I, I actually like the local aspect better, maybe because I've always been, the Knicks have always been my team, my passion. When you're up in Bristol, as I was for all those years at ESPN, you're kind of detached and not as invested in the result. You know, when you are around the Rangers and the Knicks as we are, you really root for them to do well. And it becomes it becomes a big deal to watch them. And I cannot tell you how nervous I was when the Knicks uh, finished up the regular season against the Celtics. The Celtics were basically playing the JV. The Knicks needed the win to finish fourth overall in the East. If they lose, they finish sixth. We all know they needed fourth for home court. And that 17-point lead gets cut to one with a minute and a half. And I really almost had a nervous breakdown watching that game. You don't get that at ESPN in terms of you have too many other things to focus on. MSG, you're focused on the team that you care most about. And to me, that makes it more enjoyable in a lot of ways. In your 13 years being very close to the garden, do you have a favorite memory since working for MSG? Well, in terms of uh, how we all came through as a group, uh, it was in the unfortunate circumstance of Kobe Bryant's death last year. Uh, we happened to be on at six o'clock that night. It was a uh, Sunday, which is earlier than normal. You get to work at like three. Remember Kobe Bryant's on the West Coast. So the news is starting to felt, filter in about three o'clock Eastern time that he had this terrible outcome and died in the helicopter crash. So for us to put that together and present it in a, in a good way, not a good way, but a buttoned up uh, professional informative way so shortly after finding out about that was probably my highlight in MSG so far in terms of what I had to do and in terms of what the whole crew had to do. This past year, 
uh, in terms of the team uh, was a highlight. Think about the surprise during the pandemic and all that we've had to do as a society. Uh, to me, this Nick team represents everything that's good. They don't take nights off. They play hard. They play defense. They bring everything that they have every night. So I would say Kobe Bryant situation and this past year, two highlights uh, for me so far at uh, MSG. Second round of the playoffs are coming up. We did speak about how Atlanta should be taken seriously, and I very grossly underestimated them. Is there any other teams that you're looking to make a big splash in the rest of the playoffs? Well, I think the West is going to be interesting with no Lakers. I think the Clippers look good to me. Uh, Kawhi Leonard, I tell you, I know he doesn't play every night. I know Paul George can go up and down. Boy, Kawhi Leonard in that Dallas series was absolutely phenomenal. I think Denver's going to start missing Jamal Murray. I always, for whatever reason, don't trust Utah. Maybe I should, but I don't. And Chris Paul is compromised still with Phoenix with that shoulder. So I think the Clippers are going to come out of the West. The East, I don't like the Nets. And I don't like the Nets because of the way that they went about putting their team together. Harden demanding his way out of Houston. Kyrie Irving demanding his way out of Boston. Kyrie Irving takes, you know, every other night off during the regular season. Harden's now banged up. I don't root for the Nets. Um, but I think that they have a really good shot, even without Harden, to come out of the East. So if you have the Nets and the Clippers in the finals, I think the Clippers could win that series. I hope, I hope that the Nets don't end up winning this championship. And that brings up a really good point. Knicks run this city, correct? You know, it's interesting. Uh, the ratings would show, uh, even this year with the uh, big three, although they didn't play together a lot, the Knicks uh, won the ratings head-to-head uh, -head against the Nets. And that's what it, it's good for me. I, you know, talk to people from all around the country and they're talking about the Knicks for being, you know, relevant finally. And then they're like, yeah, but the Nets are way better. And it's like, yeah, but nobody, if the Nets were to win the championship, they would just go to the Yankee game instead. You know what I mean? It, they don't have that effect. They seem like an imported in team. I feel like they would have get a lot more love nationally if they were still in New Jersey they probably wouldn't have gotten, you know, the big three that they have now. I think they had a real fan base there, but, you know, they just put Barclays Center in and they're like, all right, you know, we'll play basketball there too. It's, it's, it's institutional for the, for the market, for the Knicks, for whatever reason. Uh, and that, if the Nets are not going to really, I mean, they have more traction, but they don't have more traction than the Knicks with the Knicks winning with kind of a no name roster against all the stars on the Nets. That just goes to show you where things are. One of the final questions I want to ask you, and I really, really hope you have the answer. Why did they get rid of the Friday night next song? Uh, I don't, I can't tell you. I, I, maybe it's coming back. Maybe it was pandemic. I think it could have been pandemic related. Did you like the Willie Randolph uh, Friday night Knicks? It, it went, okay. It's like, how do I put it? I asked somebody, oh, wow, is Friday night Knicks like a national thing? And they're like, what are you talking about? And I was like, they got this really great song and I'm always excited. And then, you know, Mike Breen in the background and Clyde Frazier talking over it. And then, you know, the highlight package, it's just one of the best things. And being a fan of this team every night, every Friday night, especially, you got to tune in to just hear that. Well, maybe next year. I think it could have been pandemic related, but I don't have a firm answer for you. It, it truly is like, you know, you had to watch all of the games for a couple of years in the past, hearing that song made up for it a little bit. 
Yeah, well, we won a lot of we won a lot of Emmys for our, our Friday Night Knicks. I'll tell you that. Speaking of which, you do have your Emmy award behind you. How did you go about winning the award? I paid the Academy a ton of money. Uh, the one fifty uh, has won a couple, and we've won a couple for Knicks uh, Knicks coverage over the years. In the MSG one fifty, I that is my first Bill Pito memory. You during halftime of Knicks games going it's incredible how much you covered in like two and a half minutes i don't i don't know if anyone's ever told you that but the amount of ground you cover in such a short period of time and how you still have breath after it's incredible well thank you i, I something that uh you know they created they wanted to create something uh, years ago to try to keep viewers at the half of the knicks and in between periods of the ranger games jeff ostella is a producer i work with he comes up with all the creative content and, uh, you know, we just have a lot of fun with it. It's uh, Jeff and I have the same sensibility. I almost I can't wait to come in to see what he's found on the Internet or what kind of goofy clip he's put on the stuff. But, uh, you know, we try to have fun with it. And it's been it's been a lot of fun to do. That's for sure. The last Nick question I want to ask you, and then I'm going to let you go. Favorite all time New York Nick. So I come of age, uh, you know, with the championship teams when I was a little boy, actually in Manhattan. We moved west when I was seven, but before that, those Nick teams were winning championships. And, you know, to work with my favorite Nick is uh, an incredible thrill, and that's Clyde Frazier. For guys that maybe are too young and you might be, you have to understand that Clyde Frazier transcended just basketball fans back in that era. My mom, for example, loved Clyde Frazier. She used to say, Billy, I love Clyde Frazier because he doesn't ever break a sweat. He's so cool. I mean, they are transcendent above just the normal basketball fan. They captivated an ent entire city, and Clyde Frazier personified that, and he's my favorite Nick of all time. He's he also a great guy, by the way. He's incredibly approachable. He's the most down-to-earth superstar you'd ever meet. He, uh, you ever ask him for fashion advice? Uh, he's, in a, he's in a league of his own. So between... Coach Thibodeau, Julius Randle, Oliver J. Barrett, all the players, they did an incredible job this season. But you, Wally, Allen, and Monica, when she would come in, you guys also, a, a great part to the season. A, it made watching pre and post and halftime very enjoyable. So I just appreciate you as a fan and the work that you guys did definitely did not go unrecognized this season. Well, hey, man, it's so nice of you to say, and it's uh, really a pleasure uh, and a joy to talk to you. Thanks so much for having me on. Not a problem. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Once again, big thank you to Bill Pito. He's going to finally get some well-deserved time off, but you will see him on the MSG Network very, very soon. Thank you guys for listening, and we will see you on the next one.